Uh, and we've been in this series, How God Builds, talking about how through the life of Jesus that we see how to walk in personal relationship with each other. The Bible is one long book about relationships. The beauty of the Bible is not, not only is it a, a book about relationships, but even more so, it's God created you and I to walk in relationship with him and with others. God created us for that. God created us to live in relationship with God and with the people around us. Now, because of, of we call it the fall, sin, Adam and Eve, there was a, a moment in the garden where they went for the apple instead of what God had already told them to. And because of that moment, what it did is it separated us relationally, not only from God, but it created a little bit of a chasm as well between the man and woman, between relationships, the personal relationships that we have here on earth. But God so loved the world that he wanted to restore that relationship. He wanted to make sure that that relationship was mended, that there was a bridge that was, that was brought to between us and him as well as between us and those around us. He loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. We know John 3, 16, upside, downside, we know it. But, but I don't think we grasp the reality, the reason that that scripture is there is because God loved you so much, he wanted to do everything that he could to restore the relationship. God, in his building, in his building between you and I, yes, there's, there's the revelational, it's that moment of salvation, and then there's the relational. And the relational is because that's who he created us to be. That's how he relates with us. In the very beginning, as you'll read throughout the, the, the Garden of Eden, you'll see that Adam walked with God, talked with God on a daily basis. That was the relationship that God wanted for us to have. But because of sin, there was this chasm, this divide, but God so loved you, God so loved you, and he wanted that relationship restored that he sent his only son to be able to, to bring that chasm, to, to bridge that gap. So God created us to live in relationship. Now, as a Christian, uh, literally the, the definition of a Christian is, is uh, one who imitates Christ. So as once we've had that revelation moment, once we've, we've had that revelation moment, we realize how much God loved us and we can't help but come back before him and say, God, I need you in my life. At that moment, now it's up to us to be imitators of Christ, Christians. Now, that's not easy. It, it, it can seem difficult. Why? Because life happens. There's numerous scriptures that tell you in this world you will have trouble, but, but take heart, do not fear, I have overcome the world. So yes, there's going to always be obstacles as well. There's even scriptures that tell you about how, how, how we as people have a natural tendency toward trying to goad other people. Now, that's nobody in this room. I'm referring to other people outside of this room. You guys are perfect at relationships. It's everybody else that has an issue with it. Thus, I'm helping you to be able to deal with those people. Okay. Each and every one of us is going to, at times, offend another person or take an offense on ourselves. Scripture is clear about that, too. We all offend. Every single one of us, inadvertently, sometimes even directly intentional, we offend people. 
But the scripture is also clear that we need to not. Again, it's about relationship. And if our relationship is supposed to reflect Christ, then we should do just that. Listen to the words of Jesus. There's a scripture in uh, Philippians 2 verse 5. And Peter writes, excuse me, Paul writes, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So in your relationships... I mean, it's clear as day in your relationships with whether it be a spouse, whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be a coworker, whether it be an enemy, whatever the issue is, whatever the relationship is, have the same mindset as Christ. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, he goes right on and he explains it. Who, even though being God did not puff himself up as deity or as God, didn't walk around, look at me, I'm Jesus, I'm God, look what I can do, I can turn water to wine. Boom! Right? No! (laughs) What did he do? Did not puff himself up, but rather humbled himself in obedience. The very example of Christ that we're supposed to follow in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ who humbled himself in obedience. The same mindset as Christ. The real secret to a great relationship is humility. Humility. Now look, humility is not natural. I would say it's the opposite of natural. Humility. You cannot have successful relationships within your life until you've learned to practice the quality of humility. In fact, the Bible, numerous times, over and over and over again, God talks about how he detests pride. He hates it. He abhors it. There's Matthew 23, 12, who says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit or a puffed up spirit before a fall. God detests pride within our lives. And yet over and over again, the Bible is full of promises and blessings if we're humble. Proverbs 22.4 says, humility, the fear of the Lord, bring wealth, honor, and life. Humility, number one there. Another verse, in Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 5.5. He wrote, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Peter wrote, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Why would Peter understand humility? Now, remember, Peter walked with Christ. He walked with Jesus. One of the 12 disciples, he walked around with Jesus. So he saw firsthand all of the miraculous deeds, everything that Jesus did. There's a a passage, John 13. Read this with me. Peter hears Jesus say this, verses 15 through 17. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. So, I mean, it can't be any clearer, right? Jesus is setting an example. Do this as I have done for you. He goes on, he says, Certainly a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, what was it that Jesus is saying, you'll be blessed if you follow my example about? I I, I sit there and I, I go through... Uh, All the different situations, the things that that Jesus could have been doing when he made this statement. He he could have been, like I said, turning water into wine. 
He, he could have been healing the blind. He could have been healing the, the leper. He could have been healing the, the lame. He could, there's so many different, raising the dead. There's so many different examples. How about just the fact that he could walk into a synagogue and, and preach and completely confound the wise, the, the studied, the people that had been there for ages, for years, the religious. All these different examples of Christ. So what is it? At this particular moment when Jesus said this statement, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. He was, him and the disciples had walked into a, a place to eat. They had all sat down to eat. And, and Jesus noticed it. And as was custom in that day, you, you'd walk in and you'd kind of lay yourself kind of down on the floor up against the table just barely sitting off, off, off the floor. And so your feet would be quite possibly in the face of the individual to your right or to your left, depending on which way you laid. But in doing so, they, they walked around in sandals through dirt streets, through the through places where, okay, so you have the horses, the donkeys that, that carried people. There was the, 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 the poop, all right? They walked right through it. All of this caked up on their shoes or around their feet. And so you can only imagine how disgusting, dirty it would be. So custom at that particular time was you would walk into a, a place to eat. You'd walk into a home. And before you sat down, they would hire, they would bring in the lowliest of lows. It was the slave because it was such a dirty job. And that individual would wash your feet. Humbled, they would come in and they would scrub your feet, the dirty, the nasty off of them. That way you could lay in relationship at the, at the, the food table with everybody else. Jesus gets into this home, looks around and realizes that no, nobody, nobody brought in anybody to wash our feet. Saw an issue, saw a problem, and very well could have looked around the room and pointed at somebody else and said, hey, hey, I... Hey, uh, John, John, I need you. Or Judas, we all know what you're going to do. Why don't you go, go grab the wash bucket? <laughs> but instead, when Jesus made this statement, he saw a problem, and instead of pointing it out to somebody else, he took it upon himself to do the very lowest of jobs. Talk about humility. Swallowing your pride. Humility is being the one in a relationship to go up to a friend, regardless of, of fault, regardless of fault, and, and say, listen, I'm sorry, can we work this out? That's humility. Jesus led by example in both speech and in action. This is why yearly we cover what we call the, the eight principles for relationships. The eight principles, the eight relationship principles, relationships for for, for good relationships. If you want a good relationship, you follow these eight principles. It really is that simple. This is like a, a CF Paris 101. This is, a, this is how we, we choose to operate and to function. And, and what we see is this is literally just following Christ's example. Biblical principles that we choose to live by. We truly believe that these, these, these principles provide a, a, a practical way to keep relationships healthy. Because, look, relationships can be hard, but they don't have to be. Relationships can be hard, but they don't have to be if we choose to follow, imitate the life of Christ. Christians, followers of Christ, imitators of Christ. So last week, real quickly just to, to review, last week we went over number one and number two, number one being the forgiveness principle. 
The forgiveness principle, look, it, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. Some of you are saying, but I don't want to forgive. All the other steps, two through eight, all lead right back to number one. At some point in time, we have to learn to forgive. Acts 24, 16 writes, but I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. It, it's, it's crucial for us as Christians to forgive. The second principle that we learned last week was the first word principle. In other words, you are going to be the very first person to hear about any issue, any problem that I may have with you. I'm not going to sit there and, and, and hold a prayer circle with all my best buds, get them on my side before I go and approach you about it. I'm not going to sit there and try and swing around you and just talk to somebody else. I'm not going to talk to my spouse. or, or so. I'm not going to try and get people on my side. If we have an issue, I'm going to approach you and say, man, I value this relationship more than I value the issue. Can we talk about this? The first word principle. This week, I want to jump into three, four, and five. And number three is just this, the faithfulness principle. Faithfulness principle states, the faithfulness to our relationship outweighs the importance of any offense between us. Again, this is kind of like the underlying uh, 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 base for, for number two. The reason I approach you first is because of faithfulness to the relationship. The relationship is more important than the issue. I will not allow any problem to override the principles by which we live. There's a a scripture in Proverbs 27 verse 6 that says, wounds from a faithful friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a faithful friend. Look, a, a, a faithful friend, somebody who loves you, wants to encourage you, build you up, and wants to see the best in you, is also going to be willing, because they want to see the best in you, to tell you when you're not doing the best. Right? But we can take it. We can receive it from somebody who, who walks up that, that we know loves us. If somebody loves us and they come up and they say, listen, man, lately, I just, just your attitude concerning this or, or the way you've been thinking or talking or, or doing this, this, or this, that's, that's the faithful wounds of a friend. But what it's talking about when it says the, the bitter kisses of an enemy, a, a, an enemy is going to look at you and, and uh, just feed you what you want to hear. Do these pants make, make my butt look big? No, you look amazing in those. In life, we have people that that are more enemy than friend. They're just going to give us what we want to hear more so than truly building us up because they care about us. Being faithful is about looking out for the interests of others over yourself, even when you disagree. Now now hear me, this, this isn't about rolling over as soon as there is any conflict. It's not about rolling over when there's conflict, but it, it is about predetermining that, that no matter no matter how heated the discussion gets or, or, or what the situation may be, that the, the, the very situation that threatens to pull apart the friendship, the relationship, that you have already predecided that you will remain committed to the relationship. Tension is required for growth. One of the... Uh, one of the things that I have, I have currently learned in, in my, just having had knee surgery, uh, I, I didn't realize this. I'd had knee surgery before, but, well, I, I guess I was young and I bounced right back. Um, not so much this time, and this time I've learned a lot more. And one of the things that I learned is, is, is well, it's, it's a type of atrophy. So in not using my right leg because of the surgery that I had, one thing that I didn't do is I didn't, as my doctor likes to put it, fire the quad. 
fire the quad. And, and, and in my mind, I've always, I mean, you know, back, in, back in a long, long time ago, let's just put it there. A long, long time ago in the gym, uh, I preferred leg day over upper body. I hated upper body. I, I just, I couldn't out bench. I couldn't out curl anybody, but I could out squat the, I mean, everybody on the team. So I've never thought of myself as, as having a lack of muscles. But when, when, uh, when all of a sudden you haven't used these, the, especially the quad, what starts to happen is, is it just, it, it goes, like completely goes gone. It, I, I, I'm not joking. I was sitting, we're, we're laying in bed one time, and I'm supposed to do these exercises that fire the quad, and you kind of s- straighten out the leg and flex backwards somehow. And so just to make sure that I was doing it right, I, I decided I'm going to do both legs. Boom, and I could see this you know, my quad here would, would lift and would flex. Not much there anymore, but, you know, I could still see something happening. All right. On the right side, though, nothing. I mean, just, like, I'm sitting there flexing, flexing my feet up, back around. And then finally, I'm like, Melissa, come over here. Check this out. Put your hands right here and watch what happens. And I'd flex. And then the left side would go, boom. And the right side, nothing. She, she kind of pulls her hand back. And says, what, what's, what's going on? <laughs> tension is required for growth. When there is no tension, all of a sudden there's no use. And with no use, something just starts to fall apart. So the same in our relationships with each other. There's going to be tension. But those tension moments can be the very growth in your relationship that you wouldn't have otherwise. And yet so often we're scared of it. We run away from it. We talked about uh, conflict last week and how that's the new C word. We don't want to conflict. But if, but if you value the relationship, then conflict is the best thing for it. Sometimes being able to sit down between two people and, and have a, look, we completely disagree on this. Let's, let's find a way to agree to disagree. Conflict, tension is great for Growth. Problems, misunderstandings, differences of opinions will arise from time to time. They're going to happen. But it's usually concerning issues that are minor. But those little minor issues will always try and divide us. Therefore, look guys, it is beyond, beyond, beyond important for us to determine beforehand, to make a note before you ever even get into the conflict, before you get into the tension, that the relationship is the most important thing and that it outweighs the problem or the issue every time. Romans 14, 19, Paul wrote this. He said, so then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Let us aim for harmony. Now, again, what was the church? The church is not, not the four walls. So it's not just that while we're in here, we have to be really sweet and smile at each other and let somebody cut to get coffee. But as soon as we get out there, we can flip them off and say, don't cut in front of me. That doesn't work. Why? Because these four walls is not the church. This This is the church. So let us aim for harmony, unity within the church. That means in everything you do, you're aiming for unity. Another verse, Romans 12, 18, just two chapters before the other. He again writes, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not on them, well, it was their fault. Well, they made me. Well, they did this. Well, th- no, 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 no. As much as depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes that means letting the water roll off your, off your back like a duck, right? We've heard that saying. What, what, what does it mean? It means people are going to say some stupid things to you. 
You can either take offense at it and sit there and live in your misery and your bitterness, or you can just say, you know what? I'm going to let it go because as much as is possible with me, I'm going to live at peace with all men. Super easy? (laughs) But it's what the example of Christ laid for us. It's what we should do. So the question with this one is, is the problem or the concern a threat to our relationship? Will you choose to value the relationship above the issue in order to walk together in unity? Will you choose to walk together in unity? Faithfulness to the relationship outweighs any issue. Moving on from number three, I'm going to jump right into number four. Number four of the eight principles is the friendship principle. This one says, it is my responsibility to approach you if I need your help. Now, you would think that this one is just like uh, obvious. Like, Like, well, duh. Of course. But I go on and I say, I will not expect you to interpret my actions or recognize my heart's condition. And, and, and there's so many different examples. Let me real quickly read Proverbs 18.24. It says, friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. See, a true friend you can, you can confide in. A true friend you can, we read earlier, wants to build you up. And yet so often... In our true friendships, we're not willing to be vulnerable, humble, and admit to situations or issues or things that we're going through. And in those very moments, in in those very moments where we're not willing to admit what's happening in our lives, what ends up happening is we end up placing blame on somebody else for not knowing what we're going through. Well, you should have known that this and this was happening in my life. You should have treated me different because you knew that such and such and such... No, it's not my job to mind read. Nobody here wants that. And I don't want you reading mine. There's a reason. Because the mind is, it's crazy. The mind goes off on tangents, thinks about stupid things. And and that's why scripture over and over tells us again that we have to control our mind, that we have to submit our mind to Christ. Why? Because the mind goes, but that's just it. You don't read my mind, I don't read your mind, so why then do we expect people to know what we're going through? We have a, uh, a, a lady here in the church who is just kind of taking it upon herself, and it's such a blessing for us. There's, there's so many people that are dealing with hurts, with pains, with different things that are going on, and, and she said, Corey, I, I just want to be able to write a note from the church to anybody that's hurting. The problem comes in when people don't let us know that they're hurting. So if you want a letter from the church, we got to know you're hurting. See, some people sit there and, and come in after the fact and say, man, I was in the hospital. How come you didn't come and visit me? You were in the hospital? Man, I'm, I didn't even know. Well, that's no excuse. You still should, you still should have come and visited me. Okay. But how often do we do that? We, we laugh at, at such a, a preposterous statement, right? But, but so often, if we value the relationship, then how come we're not willing to, to, to say, man, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I need help. There's a, I heard a, a great example once that said, look, when we're hungry, we don't wait for somebody else to say, hey, are you hungry? When we're hungry, we, we make a decision, I'm hungry, I want to go eat, and we let somebody know. There's a, there's a version called hangry, right? 
I have a very sweet demeanor when I get hangry. Hey, hey. <laughs> Shaking her head on the front row. So, if I'm willing when I'm hungry to let other people know that I'm hungry and we need to do something about it, then how much more so with relationships? We'll tell each other what we need for food, but, but for our relationships to work better, are we willing to step up and say, hey, this is, this is what's going on? How does that even make sense that we would choose food over, over the relationship? Look, the friendship principle, basically, it just says, look, I'm going to approach you if I need your help. You can't expect others to interpret your actions or, or recognize your, your heart's condition. If you need my help, if you need my assistance, it's your responsibility to approach me and ask for help. If I need help, if I need assistance, it's my responsibility to approach and ask for help. I think what happens so often is that individuals find themselves uh, in, in a place of needing a friend, needing somebody just to, to be available, whether it be a family worker, a friend, a coworker, whatever it is, but you need somebody to assist, to come and help, you know, to be uh, available for your aid. And that's okay. We all need help. It's okay to need help. Right now, my, my youngest daughter doesn't need help for anything. And she will blatantly do something so very wrong just to prove that she doesn't need help. And I have to say, baby, it's, it's okay. We all need help. Your dad needs help sometimes. It's very rare, but <laughs> kidding. It's probably more often than most. But look, we all need help. That's okay. So if it's okay then to need help, then it's got to also be okay to admit and to look for friendships that can come along, people that, that want to build you up, that want to help you, that want to assist. They're not going to know unless you bring it up. See, when it doesn't happen, I, I think we're prone to take offense. When somebody doesn't come to our aid, we, we start to uh, accuse them. We start to, uh, we, you weren't sensitive enough to my needs. Uh, I, I think the friendship principle basically just states each and every individual, it's your personal responsibility to approach the other if you need help. The question with this one just simply being, are, are you offended that I didn't recognize you were troubled? Are you willing, are you willing to assume the responsibility of letting others know if or when you need help? Again, guys, if we live our lives by these principles, it makes relationships so much easier. I want to jump into the last one for today, uh, number five, and this is what we call the four-day principle. The four-day principle says this, I will, not, I will not allow any problem that I have with you to go unresolved for more than four days. There's a passage in Proverbs 28, 13 that says this, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Now, I think a lot of people initially get uh, a little thrown at times, uh, especially with this verse. But, but let me remind you that we, we automatically we kind of focus in on that word sin, he who covers his sins. But I think with relationships, it's about opening up about any issue that you, you may have. Remember we learned in week one, unforgiveness is a sin. Unforgiveness, not, not, not being willing, not being open to give forgiveness, the Bible says is a sin. 
So when we're not willing to approach or confront an issue, when we're not willing to, to come before somebody else, the Bible describes that as a breaking of the relationship, something that is hindering the relationship, all of which all the while God is trying to restore. Unforgiveness is a sin. I think the next issue most people have with this one is, is well, why four days? Why four days? There's a, there's a beautiful uh, passage that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So, so Corey, if that's scripture, if the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, why would you give somebody four days? Why wouldn't you just make them immediately drop everything they're doing? And, and, okay, come on. How many of you ever made that mistake? Just, <laughs> I know his story. Um, look. <laughs> Brandon taught this, uh, this principle last year and gave a great example of, of forcing Claudia to stay up one night to resolve the conflict. And he was like, no, hell or high water, we're going to resolve this. I, I myself have, have been that naive. <laughs> yeah. Resolving issues immediately, it's always best it, if you can. But how many of you how many of you here would be willing to admit you're a little hot-headed in the heat of the moment? There's a good amount of you. Sometimes, I heard, I heard one pastor actually say that what you say in the heat of the moment is, is more so the truth than, than anything else. He was, he was saying that uh, in those moments of anxiety and hurt, we, we usually tend to say what, we, what we've been thinking on. Or, but, but how many of you know that that's not always the best? Huh. Sometimes it's good to take a step back. <sighs> oh, God help me, right? So then why four days? Look, taking a step back is okay. Take some time to cool because sometimes in the heat of the moment, you just flippantly say something completely stupid, ridiculous that, that, that wasn't intentional. You weren't looking to try and hurt the other person, but we end up doing just that. So, so why four days? Well, as you've probably already noticed, each one of the principles starts with an F. And so we needed, we, we thought about how, about, how about Friday? We could come up with the Friday principle. And we thought, well, that's terrible if it happens on Saturday and you've got to wait till the No, 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 look. There's, there's more to it. Um, yeah, four worked out perfectly. But uh, you think about the story of Lazarus. And I love, there's this one passage in Scripture um, Jesus is, is returning back to, to visit Mary and Martha, as well as Lazarus, who has just passed away. Lazarus has now been dead for four days, and in Jewish custom, it was, it was believed that, uh, the, that the, the soul lingered around the body for at least three days. But by the fourth day, the soul had left the body, it was gone, you were dead, dead. And the scripture, Jesus walks in, sees Mary and Martha crying, weeps with them, and then goes over to the tomb and says, roll the stone away. Open up the tomb. And literally, I, I kid you not, the scripture says that his sister, Mary, looked at him and said, but Lord, he has been dead four days. By now he stinketh. King James Version, so you know it's God. He stinketh. Look, when we allow problems to sit there and fester, for more than four days, it, it stinks. 
The idea behind this principle is deal with the issue, deal with the problem. And obviously, first and foremost, if you can just forgive and, for, you know, and move on, that's great. If you can forgive and move on, that's, that's, the, that's the ideal. But if not, then you need to deal with this in a timely manner. Timely may not be immediately because you may say something stupid. You may need to sit there, go before God and, and say, okay, God, I, I need your help. I need your guidance with this situation. But don't let it go for more than four days. Because then you're trying to rehash something that you don't even fully remember, much less the person who, who never even thought about it from the beginning is sitting there going, wait, what? what? Huh? That, I, did, I did what to you? No, I don't, I don't remember that. Yes, you do. You said this, this, and then, oh, God. Don't let something linger or fester for longer than four days. Deal with the issue. Because, again, if you value the relationship, if you value the relationship, confrontation isn't a bad word. Confrontation says, I want this relationship to grow. I value this relationship. And because I do, I'm going to come before you and I want to sit down and just talk about this. Level-headedly, I'm not coming in right in the heat of the moment. I've taken some time. But then as well, just because you've gotten your time, don't forget that somebody else may need their time. So you've given it two, three. You're kind of like coming in at the last second, fourth day. <sighs> All right. I prayed about it. I'm good. Now let's sit down and talk about this. Talk about what? Well, you remember the other day when you did such and such and such and such? Nuh-uh. All right, so they may need a couple days, too, to, to remember, to understand. Explain what you're going through. Explain, look, the, these are the issues I have. This is what I'm dealing with. This is the way I took what was done. This is the way I felt when what was done was done. So, so now, can we talk about this? Be willing to confront the issue. When things aren't uh, dealt with within a few days, they start to stinketh. They start to stink it. And it makes it obvious that the problem really needs to be dealt with in order to preserve the friendship. But, but holding on to unresolved issues for months, even years, it only damages the relationship. And remember, God sent his only son, why? To restore relationships. God was in the business of creating relationships. We were created for relationships. So the question with this one being, how long have you been troubled about this issue, this problem? Are you willing to confront in a, in a gentle, peaceable way before the end of four days? As I, as I close this morning, um, I'm going to have some, some the, the band, y'all can go ahead and, and stay, stay seated. This, I'm going to have them play some music in the back. But listen, guys, I, I think that in, in all of our relationships... All of our relationships and the way that we treat others, the way that we work at our relationships. In your life, if you think about your life and you think about how you treat others, if you think about the way that you work at your relationships, if you think about all of those factors, I believe that those are a direct indicator of God's love within our lives. God's love within your, within your life is directly reflected to those around you by how you treat them. How we treat others is a direct reflection of how we treat, how we relate to God. I, I would challenge each and every individual this morning as you're, as you're thinking about your life, as you're thinking about how you treat relationships, think about that. How you treat others is a direct reflection on how you treat God and how God's love in you is working. Are you reflecting the same love that was extended to you, the same humility, the humble servant that was Jesus.
that said, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened in your life. I want to restore this relationship. The way we treat people should show them that we love them. And so the same, the, the way that we love people should show them that we love God. The way we treat others will tell people, will show people how we love God. Well, guys, I, I pray this morning that, that people would see you truly acting as a Christian. Not the, not the name it's become, but, but what it intentionally, what it was initially when it was initially said, an imitator of Christ. Not one who, who walks into their four walls and shuns everybody else or says, well, this is how we do it and we're not going to do it your way. But instead, is it's God's love in our community. When the world sees that we handle relationships in a manner, in a way that, that Christ would have handled relationships, that's how they see the Father. Sadly, today, there's, there's so many people who want nothing to do with Christianity. And, and it, it literally boils down to how they saw somebody treat somebody else. They've walked away from the church. They've walked away from, from the body. And look, the body, we need each other. We talked about this last week. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. It's the body of Christ. It's, it's one body. We were all baptized into one body. Can you begin to even imagine what kind of peace, what kind of life would follow us if we would always treat people right? What kind of joy, what kind of excitement would there be at work, at school? How about within your own home, within your own family? If all of a sudden the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control what if all of a sudden these very fruits of the spirit were evident in our life in regard to how we treated each other what if you had the courage to be humble and forgive to be faithful to the relationship no matter the issue to to express your needs one to another I, I, I pray this morning that you'll be able to see how our lives not just yours but our lives could be better if we would truly imitate Christ to bow your heads with me Lord God I, Father I pray this morning for each and every individual across this room Lord God and the situations the issues the, the different things that we're dealing with that we're going through Lord God and through it all I, I pray that we would continue to keep our eyes focused upon you Lord God not get so inundated in a selfish manner Lord God in what's what's happening to us that we don't see what's happening around us Lord God and that our actions would then be directly reflective of who you are and how you responded to us that our actions, Lord God, would reach across the aisle, would reach across the barriers, would reach around uh, the, the areas of animosity or, or fear, Lord God, of confrontation, that, that we would push through those moments and that we would reach out to one another, Lord God, and that we would be true friends, real friends that build each other up, that look to restore the body of Christ, not just a, a, a meaningless relationship, Lord God, but so much more, restore the body of Christ, the relationship that you intended us to be in. God, I thank you right now, and I do pray for individuals across this room that, that may be going through hardships or, or, or uh, moments, Lord God, with people that, that uh, there's, a, there's a conflict. And I pray, Lord God, that through these principles, they would, 
They would be able to see your word, your, your truth for each and every one of us. And they would be able to, to step across, be the first in, in humility, Lord God, to step out and restore that relationship, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday afternoon, a glorious spring break. We look forward to make sure you on your way out, stop by the youth booth and grab some tickets for the banquet. God bless you all, guys.